Hey, Luke. Sup, Ev? Uh, I have an answer for you. Oh, do you need me to supply a question first, or are you going to answer my question before you've even heard it? Uh, I was, I was going to opt for the latter, but the former interests me. Okay, so let's see if my question can match the answer that you have in your head right now. Mm-hmm. What is there no creature like? Ah, man. I... <gasps> pumpkin pie. <laughs> <laughs> there is no creature like pumpkin pie. No creature on this on God's green earth. And it's so funny because that's the episode we're covering. Yeah, we're covering good old pumpy pie. We're covering uh, there's no creature like pumpkin pie. Uh, pumpy pie. Pumpy pie, my least favorite YouTube celebrity. Pumpy, pumpy pie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, what what was the question you were hoping for? What would have been the perfect question for that answer, or the second most perfect question? Because I gave you the most perfect one already, obviously. I actually think, in retrospect, pumpkin pie. In retrospect, it now would have been what's the best Thanksgiving pie? I feel like pecan pie for me has a a place in Thanksgiving as well, but pumpkin pie is very classic. I mean, pumpkins are very thanksgiving Which is also perfect, because again, we are doing a Thanksgiving-themed episode today. A Thanksgiving episode, yeah. You know, like Thanksgiving, everybody gets their skis together, their snowboard out. Uh, you go hit the slopes. That's Thanksgiving weather for you. You gotta take advantage. Yeah, the, um... <laughs> the, uh, the Thanksgiving Sasquatch will make an appearance. Uh, I mean, really, what more can we say? This is uh, Scooby Dudes. We're here to cover. There's no creature like pumpkin pie. Is there anything else we could say? Should we give them the premise of the episode? Here, let me do that. And and while you're doing that, I can also say that this is the first episode of the first season of What's New Scooby Doo. Uh, we've been away from the show for a while, and we are happy to come back. The first episode of the first season. So this should be setting the table for the series for us. Here's the premise. Uh, much thanks to Scooby Doo Wikia. Uh, Scoopypedia. The amateur sleuths travel to a mountain resort for some skiing and to watch a snowboarding competition. They end up investigating rumors of a snow creature that is attacking the participants. When Velma catches a cold and Fred breaks his leg, it's up to Scooby, Shaggy, and Daphne to solve the mystery of pumpkin pie. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the episode that we've got here, folks. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting. You're definitely going to hear a lot of pumpkin pie talk in what's to come. Do you, do you think I should have hit pumpkin pie harder? I was I was trying to think of like a good pun. I was like this. I the only one I was able to come up with at such short notice was I thought that I think that this episode is a crust watch. Wait, what? What's crust? What's the pun there? Pies have crusts. They do, but like, what's that? What's the pun there? It's it's a must watch. Oh, a must watch, a crust watch. Sorry. <laughs> that was good. That was better than I recognized it for. I, I was thinking, what's a good pun kin? for this episode ah, and then i thought punkin is like if i identify as a pun and like i go to pun conventions <laughs> okay come on we pun con. To, okay we're done pun con pie you're like a you're like you're like speaking the type pun con pie, pun con pie. <laughs> which okay which sounds Uh-oh. racist but we both took thai language class yeah but you paid so I attention i we're at least I'd familiar t- with what it might sound like 
Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. There's no creature like snow creature. That song doesn't really play into this episode at all, and I'm just now realizing that's what it's a play on. Is there a song called There's No Creature Like Snow Creature? There's no business like snow, like show business, I think, is the uh, is the, pl- the pun. Did you just say there's no business like snow business? I was, that's what I was, I unfortunately stuttered my <laughs> way into that, yeah. Which I think could have been a better title of this. There's no business like snow business. There's snow business like snow there's no business like snow business yeah i think that's good hmm, listeners you can't hear it but that's a that's a solid back and forth nod what would you call that nod where it's not like an up down nod but it's like a back to front nod. It's, it's not it's not because because the up and down nod when you do one it's kind of like yes you're a man and i acknowledge I, you <laughs> yes i affirm you brother if it's if it's like front to back it's like all right Okay. Why don't why don't we ever nod at women that way? Like yes, hmm. I see you. I'm gonna be honest, Evan. I don't nod to anybody like that. <laughs> I think that's mostly you. <laughs> but we are we aren't here just to talk about our head movements. We're here to talk okay, about. Okay, can I this can I say I was at a bus station in Kalamazoo, and there were okay. two white people ahead of me, um, and and uh, a black person was walking towards us, and he mm. kind of like. Not not like low key like lunged, but sort of like made a movement you know, to startle them. Like that fake out lunge. Yeah, and then he passed Almost by like, me. Yeah, come at me. And we nodded at each other. What? What? Hang on, this was two white ladies. Did you say? I believe it was a white heterosexual couple. And he kind of did like a. Hmm. Yeah, like like he definitely intended to startle them. Like that is what he was trying to do. But I'm searching for a benefit of the doubt. Do you think like? There's a potential trip here, like a, uh, ooh, I stumbled a little bit, and then I caught myself. No, no, there wasn't. The 100%, 100% okay. purposeful. Okay, but then maybe benefit on the other side, like, he was gonna do the same thing to you, but then, like, he saw a penny on the ground right at the last second, and it was like... No, we definitely made eye contact with one another, and it was more of a just, like, an acknowledgement, like a, t- a small nod of acknowledgement. Hmm. What's your takeaway there? <laughs> I'm fine with it, because I did not want to be startled. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know Even, what I mean? I'm I'm not trying to like beef with people. Yeah, you're not looking out. I, I gotta say, I mean, it doesn't reflect super well on you that you're only looking out for number one. You don't care about these oppressed minority groups who are being threatened at the bus stop. He was just he was just joking around. <laughs> it sounds yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. I think that's uncool. And it's fine when he's not joking around with me. Yeah, it's oh, it's it's fine. He's just joking around with these other people, but I don't want him joking around with me. That is not funny if it happens to me. I had had a long day, so it's pretty I, fair. Look, I'm not. I don't si- know, dude. I'm I don't not- know. If he, like, saw that in my eyes, if he saw that, I was like, oh, this kid's been at this bus station for 11 hours. He's not... And he saw in the other people's eyes, like, these guys have barely been at this bus station at all. And th- and yet they get to be on the same bus as this guy who's been waiting a long time. They've worked but a part of the day, and yet they earn the same wages as the people who were there all day. Yeah, there's Which... a certain parable that he's not on board with. You and I can't shy away from these parables. We almost bring up parables more often than the Scooby-Doop. Uh, I mean, we've talked about... Sorry, this was just a very short anecdote um, about my trip 
to Toronto from Kalamazoo. Well, it was an anecdote. But... <laughs> it was an a- anecdote. You're right. But we're here to talk about there's no business like... Wait, there's no creature... There's, there's no creature like, like snow, snow creature. creature. Yes. Episode one, we said it in the intro of What's New Scooby-Doo, the first season. Big impressions. Did you love this episode? Well, when we've done this series in the past... It has been in seasons two and seasons three, and they've very often been, like, themed episodes. They've been, like, mm. Valentine's Day or Halloween. Um, and here, there isn't um, a strong theme. There's no strong focus. It's just snowboarding. Yeah, it's just snow. I mean, all the overarching gags, the se- it's all snow stuff. That's the setting. That's the gags. That's the mystery. There's a snowboarding competition. That's what we're looking at. It's also really interesting to think of this episode as the pilot for the series. Because the pilot is mm. supposed to hook you. It's supposed to be like, these are the characters. This, this is what they're like. And I think and it's, mm. it does a poor job of that. I think so, too. I My thought on the pilot is the pilot should be something that anyone can come into fresh. You don't have to know anything about Scooby-Doo. You certainly don't have to know anything about this series. It'll lay the groundwork for the characters, for the series, for the for everything. And they barely do that. They, they almost assume that you know what this series is going in. And here's what's fascinating to me. And we'll have mentioned this in the intro, which we have not recorded yet, because I'll read mm. the synopsis. Um, the synopsis that was read talks about how this particular episode sidelines Fred and Velma and has Daphne and Scooby and Shaggy sort of, like, lead the charge and, like, do, I guess, solve, do most of the mystery solving. I don't I think the language you use there is very pointed. Lead the charge. The person who's in charge does not lead the charge. That's the foot soldier who gets sent out by the general who doesn't give an F if they live or die. And that's what happens in this episode. Shaggy, excuse me, Fred and Velma lead from the rear <laughs> in this episode. Lead from the rear window, if you will. Huh? Did you catch that in this episode? Oh. Oh. Super. I think it was... That was actually my favorite part of the episode. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. That's but, a great um, catch. I just, I think it is, I think it's weird that in your first episode of this new series, you would sideline characters. You think that you would want it to be like this, all of the moving parts working in concert with one another. And I don't think that's well, yeah, the case I mean, here. You have to establish the norm before you subvert the norm. And kind of what you're getting at, I'll just mention it here, is that in this episode, Fred breaks his leg and Velma comes down with the cold, gets catches a cold from being out in the cold. Although I thought everybody caught a cold, but that kind of puts both of them locked in this ski cabin while everyone else is going out and investigating the mystery. But again, I still think the agency is in Fred and Velma's part. Yeah, it's... I mean, we've talked about the series here and there in the past, and it... What is this? The This is like the early aughts, right? <clears throat> yeah, I think it came out after Pup Named Scooby-Doo, and it looks way more modern. Um, modern to the point where, and I guess this is a good way of starting off this episode. I think so. Um, they're making their way to this ski resort. Um, Fred is, his dimensions are not many. Um, (laughs) but he's talking about how, like, oh, he loves snowboarding. He wants to meet these snowboarding stars. I just like, Fred, first of all, this, 
has no basis in anything. Where, where is this coming from? Second of all, is this establishing the series for us? Like, is Fred a snowboard fan? Is that what we're supposed to know about him? Or is he like, is he like an X Games enthusiast? Exactly. None of this is the case. And that's part of what I think it doesn't do a good job of setting up the series. The first episode should establish that they're mystery seekers, that they're, I mean, amateur sleuths, if you will. And then beyond that, we start adding in the random relatives from the past, the random hobbies that one person's passionate about. Oh, Scooby and Shaggy are Kiss fans. Uh, but and but Fred also, I guess, w- you were talking about how this is more modern. Mm. And, and there's more of an emphasis on like, oh, this takes place now. Like, this is Scooby-Doo for today. So, um, so they're making their way to the ski resort, and Fred has an over-reliance on his GPS. Um, not unlike Michael in that one episode of The Office. Oh, man, that's a later season, so I don't remember it super well. I was a little checked out at that point. Um, but yeah, they they lean into the tech in the mystery machine. They've also got like the flip down screen that you could play DVDs on for your kids. But Although, it's a live TV. Notably, it's a live TV. Even more notably, it flips down like in front of the the windshield. <laughs> you would never. They, there's a reason they don't put those in the front it's, seat. It's not for the people in the. Uh, it's not for the kids in the back. No, no, no. It's, in their fa- car it's seats. for mom and dad to watch up front while they're on the road trip. They're watching some Grey's Anatomy while the kids in the back have nothing. There's a terrifying moment where they're watching the news and they can see <laughs> the mystery machine barreling towards the backs of the of like the reporter yeah, and the, towards the, the camera. And it's almost like the first mystery of the episode where Fred's like, what's going on? We're on the screen. What does this mean? And Velma's like, Fred, we're about to cry. We're about to commit... A uh, vehicular homicide. Uh, ma- manslaughter, right? I was gonna manslaughter. say vehicular manslaughter. And and Fred is vehicular, like, you're right. Oh, that looks like the mystery machine. Oh wow! And he breaks, skids around, spins into a parking spot perfectly. But let's just remember, he almost murdered people. He almost manslaughtered people. Uh, that one is it a Brian Regan bit? Manslaughter. <laughs> Sorry, that is a Brian Regan bit. So good. I need to. Re- he has a new. He has a new show out. I need to watch that. So unrelated. There are, Sorry, but there so- are five thousand. In so there are some episodes of Scooby Doo that we do, where it's like, oh, who could it be? Could it be the one character that's been introduced? This is not one of those. I in in this episode. To this episode's credit, they introduce a lot of potential red herrings. Um, I mean, in the cold open, we have Gretchen Mueller. Um, either a Russian, German, or a chaotic, neutral Swiss woman who, <laughs> you know what I mean? That was very good. I thought that was very Thank funny. you. That was the only good one I have this episode. But, like, she's very clearly, like, low-key evil um, and has the accent to back it up. Forgive me. I don't really mean that. Uh, Wait, did we look up Chris Klug? Should we do that right Chris now? Chris Klug is, a real is a real person. I knew it. I knew it. You, you know knew why? It? Because his voice acting is so bad. His voice acting is bad, and it's also like when Archie Comics, like when I I, I brought this up in a past episode. We, we like have talked a, about this. I think it was in a past episode of this series where we had an MMR right. in sync. When there's like an Archie, it was like Archie feet like the cast members of Glee. And then mm. the cast members of Glee have like a few more lines on their faces. A little uncanny valley is the place where they perish. Where they like make them at the at the same like too realistic, too many lines on the face, and yet too generic to be recognized as anyone. In Chris Kluge's part, I'll tell you this, Evan, because I, I think you didn't look him up. He's much more handsome than he is in this series. Like they, uh, I don't think they did this particular hunk justice. That's too bad. You know what? And maybe that is a good. 
Because look, you and I, we've done very few episodes of this show, but maybe that yeah. is a good way of establishing that what's new Scooby Doo is the celebrity cameo show, right? Because what what were the other yeah. ones? Kiss was one episode. That guy yeah. from NSYNC was the other episode. I don't know if we've done another one beyond that, but I think it probably we, had. We've a, done three. Hold on. Had a celebrity as well. Uh, oh, so the Fast and the Warmiest had like I guess a fake race car unless that race car driver in fast and the Fur- fast and the wormiest was a real race car driver was she i don't know now i do know that the person who died in the gas station explosion was a real there was a real person who died in a gas station explosion and this was like in memoriam for them <laughs> all right hold on hold on just one sec also terrible <laughs> yeah so these are just like these are just cartoon characters yeah but here, I, the, the one other thing I want to say about, um, if I may, about Chris Klug that gives away that he's a real person is that they introduce him as like this American all-star snowboarder who's an Olympic bronze medalist. And I have to say, if you have the, the power of the pen on your side, you might go for gold. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Chris. You're, Nothing you're right. against Chris. When, when it's a children's show, you kind of want the extremes. Yeah, and I mean, you're gonna. Why go Sean White light unless you have to? And that's what they do. <laughs> Sean White light. You think um, there's no lighter? So um. Chris, Chris Klug and Gretchen. So Gretchen, not a real person. Chris, a real person. They're attacked by the snow creature. Uh, can I describe the snow creature? I um, do. You, I have a one-liner that I would describe Maz. Oh, neat. Okay, so I want to hear yours first, and then I'll I'll say mine. I'm guessing ours might be the same one. Amazing. He looks like the Yeti from Ski Free. Am I right, brother? No. Wow. I did make a comparison to the Yeti from Ski Free later in this episode. And and for listeners, I think you'll remember it if I describe it as the old-timey top-down downhill skiing game where at the very end you get chased down and eaten by a Yeti. That's what I'm referring to. That's what he reminded me of. What did he remind you of? Um, he reminded me of the Titans from the Hercules movie. Oh, very much so. He is more close to the Ice Titan. I'm, I'm building the context into uh, mind. A cross between, like, if you took the Ice Titan and the Rock mm-hmm. Titan and sort of smushed them together, then you would basically get the I snow I mean, you creature. got that kind of real top-heavy inverted triangle build with very blocky, like, geometric and rock-like structure. And just for our listeners, because you likened the snow creature to a yeti, uh, the yeti looks to be made of ice and not uh, a creature of uh, flesh and blood. And at one point in the episode, we find out that the yeti, or the, the snow creature as I think we call it, is see-through, which really backs up the fact that it appears to be made of ice. This is fascinating. I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up. I'm just going to hit it. Um, hit it, brothers. F- Fred is like, because the snow creature is menacing them. And mm. Fred is like, you guys, you, before we start to freak out maybe this is just some creep in a monster suit. And I think Shaggy like leans around and is like, I don't think so. He like looks right through the monster. Like, it looks pretty clear to me. And, yeah, like, where's the creep? And it is, I mean, we've had so many instances of impossible technology just being the blunt answer for these that it's not a huge mystery for me at this point, but it is kind of cool that it's like, wow, this, it doesn't seem possible. Like, what I think is really fascinating is that, like, this isn't, a sentiment that you hear a lot where the gang is like you guys hold on hold on hold on how many monsters have we unmasked yeah it's probably just Hundreds. a dude in a costume and they they need to disprove that before they buy into any fear that is very uncommon and you know what this just occurred to me but when you take into account 
literally all the other episodes that we've done of this show, which is um, there were the the scarecrow monsters from the Halloween episode. Mm. The Valentine's Day episode had clones of Mystery Inc. who had super strength. Mm-hmm. And then Fast and the Warmest had a giant worm. These are all robots. Yeah, let's give it away now. This is a robot. Here, perhaps, maybe the least realistic robot that we've had so far. I mean, this is the very, very early prototype days of Westworld. 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 Where they haven't quite perfected the formula yet. But here, I think Fred says, ultimately, the the monster is made of lucite. Yeah, I, like wrote, all... I wrote it down. Hold on, let me find it. Uh, this robot was fashioned out of some kind of see-through lucite uh which was made made to look like ice so see-through lucite um but yeah like when we actually do get the uh the monster cut in half like the darth mauls and uh actually no he survives beyond that and then he gets the spider bottom half oh whatever but <laughs> when we do see him cut in half we we see like all these gears and this machinery inside and then when we look closer ah oh, it's partly and it's see-through which we'd still have seen it when we tried to look through all the way through it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He, they're saying like, oh, it's constructed of see-through lucite, even the moving components. Yeah. Which is like, okay, I'm kind of on board. But then they take a panel off the back, and then there's like a microchip. Oh yeah, like that's how. Which is like, not transparent. Half of the shots, once they crack the thing open, show like solid metal circuitry and and like real tactile gears. Ah, uh, you know what? How about. Let's let's run through all the possible suspects because I think that would be fun. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, because we still don't know who it is could it, be at is this it point. Chris Klug, um, we've... Olympic bronze medalist. <laughs> you know, it's I'm not to diminish that achievement. I just think again, they wouldn't have done that if they were working with fiction. <laughs> One it, of the next people. Sorry, go ahead. Is it Gretchen Mueller, who, as you mm. said, is a European, who um, has maybe very minor villainous uh, qualities about her. Uh, By the way, her dad is investigating Donald Trump right now, so we can only wait and see what the results of that investigation yield. You know, I was wondering why Gretchen Mueller was, like, ringing bells in my head. So as soon as I read Mueller, I was like, wow, timely. (laughs) Is it potentially Bruce Wilkinson, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, a national treasure, who is the uh, millionaire or the billionaire um, organizer of this competition? I don't know why they gave white Bruce Wilkinson the voice of a very distinctly uh, the very deep voice yeah. of a black. I'm man. not sure why either. I mean, like Ke- Kevin Michael Richardson again. I think is an incredible vocal talent. I mean, he can voice whoever he, he wants, can do it, but like. He's not really doing a voice here. I think that's just his regular voice. He's a little wasted on Bruce Wilkinson, who is a little bit of a flat character. Is it, perhaps, Theodore Shushman, the groundskeeper, um, who is creepy, gruff, has decorated his cabin in rustic mid-century creep, according to Daphne, and who's also voiced by veteran voice actor Tom Kenny? Oh, wow. Tom Kenny. SpongeBob SquarePants for the uninformed. And and the Ice King, my personal favorite role of his. Um, Theodore also, and and they were really building it up to be Theodore, was oh, really? a former uh, professional ski jumper, whose career ended after he had a collision with a snowboarder. Oh, I I had a real. This is a bit of a tangent, but with Theodore Shushman, I had a real. Uh, it's, it called me back to that pup named Scooby Doo episode with the former skate champion. You know what I mean there? Rugs. 
<laughs> I was afraid we might, because this came, this show came right after Pup Named as well. Um, so is it Theodore Shushman? Is it perhaps Avalanche Anderson, former snow? Who is another fake snowboarder? Yes. Um, believe it or not, not named after a real person, Avalanche Anderson. A former director of snowboarding action movies and apparently a semi-pro snowboarder himself. Um, or is it, and they don't name her until, like, right at the end, Nancy... Chang. Her name's Nancy Chang? Yeah. She does not look Asian to me. Yeah, I I mean, I, I gotta say I'm glad they didn't lean hard into visual characterizations of her race. I don't know, man. This just seems like a Joss Whedon move. You know what I mean? Ooh. Oh, this is... Oh, so this is River Song, and uh, what was her brother's name? In Firefly, he was just like, yeah, man, people have Asian names, but uh, I'm just going to cast a mess of white people. Well, with Firefly, like, um, just kind of like Western culture today is very global. Uh, Chinese culture is very global in the world of Firefly. Like, that is a part of the world. Oh, you're not making a joke. You're actually defending it. I'm actually not making a joke. I am actually trying to defend Joss Whedon at the moment. And I don't know why, but I was thinking about taking shots at Joss Whedon at some no, point no, no. today. So wait, real wait today, like throughout. I don't know what it was, day, like in your Saturday or today, like in well, this episode. In this episode or in the one we're going to record right after. I don't know why, but I was anticipating the opportunity to take shots at Joss Whedon. Here's a, here's a uh, because my favorite he, Joss Whedon pot shot is um, in Jenny Nicholson's takedown. I I will link it mm-hmm. in the show notes. Jenny Nicholson, one of my favorite YouTubers, did a takedown of Justice League. Um, and she talked about, because Joss Whedon did reshoots for that movie, Mm -hmm. and about how, um, it seemed like he cribbed stuff in Justice League from, like, other better movies. So she's like, wow, Joss, why don't you cheat on your movies like you cheat on your wife? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Joss Whedon has had a descent from grace, not unlike Neil deGrasse Tyson's, except that it's deserved. Neil deGrasse Tyson also sucks why does he suck that now here. he's the worst why oh dude his, his twitter persona is what it, he he's just like he's uh, obnoxious know-it-all people who use awesome for like um tacos or something back in my day people used the word awesome for like the moon landing and like other scientific uh, discoveries and it's like shut up dude we're, we're tangenting hard here but my first girlfriend when we went to college um, actually had an issue with me saying awesome casually like she was like I remember that yeah like I, I use that to refer to like God and his awesomeness and his power and I'm like oh cool I think that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, like I I think I was in the right there maybe one of the few times language I mean like language adapts but like Neil deGrasse Tyson sucks does not adapt he, here's the thing, here's the thing, someone, like, spotlit that tweet, because he's tweeted the same sentiment not once, but twice. Ooh. It's something he cares so strongly about, he shared about it twice, in, like, ragging people and using the word awesome, and then someone took a deep dive into his Twitter history, and, and so I'm saying awesome found a, a tweet of, of him times. saying, like, yes, uh, two octopi, like, two octopi having a table tennis match with a paddle in each tentacle would be awesome, and it's like... Dude, that's not wasted on such a bad tweet, too. I just, I can't stand that, dude. And look, I'm not anti-science. I think science is great. I wanted to be a scientist when I was a kid. But he Mm. really, I find him uh, grating. I find Neil deGrasse Tyson grating. You know, it's funny, dude. 
I'm a science denier, and I, I wanted to be a science denier as a kid, but I, uh, I really like ND, NDT. I, I will say this, he appeared on day, uh, last week tonight and kind of did a send-up of that persona of how annoying he was on it. They, they framed a good sketch around how he's perceived, but I don't credit him with that I because I don't think he has don't great think... comedic chops. I think it's a. I don't think it's a persona. I think that is just who he is. I think the issue is that it is who he is, and a more self-aware person could say, "I know how this part of me will be perceived. I'm gonna send it up myself to save you the chance." Um, but he doesn't do that. He plays it up straight. The thing with Joss Whedon I want to return to is just the Wonder Woman script. Oh, just to, so bad. So bad. Oh my gosh. It was like. I don't, is, has anyone ever seen Joss Whedon and Ernest Cline in the same room at the same time? Because, wow. Wow. Oh, man, Scooby-Doo. Um... Scooby-Doo, I'm sorry, but Lisa Chang, here's the one thing I want to say. If we can jump off of her, because we've now introduced all the potential villains. I want to say it's not Lisa, Lisa... Chang is, yeah. like, the reddest and fishiest of the red herrings. We, the one reason we know it's not her is because we suspect her all episode long. And the reason she's suspicious is never explained at the end, is it? She only has, to my recollection, two scenes. And in those scenes, she's talking on the cell phone. She's wearing, like, you know, like a, a woman's blazer and skirt. She's like a businessy woman. And she's talking to someone on the phone, and she's like, oh, don't worry, the ratings, because, sorry, context for listeners, this is a snowboarding competition, which is being um, put on by this billionaire, Chris Wilkinson. Mm -hmm. um, don't worry about it. These ratings are going to, like do great yeah and and there's a question of like how does she know the ratings are going to do great especially because um chris clug in the opening scene our our famous bronze medalist breaks his leg and so and throughout the episode more people break their legs so there's a worry of is this competition still going to go on is it going to be lucrative are people going to be watching and so people velma's like oh why is nancy so sure that there are going to be good ratings and it's like velma there's a monster on the on the snowboarding on the, on the slopes that on its own is a guarantee. I mean, and yeah, maybe, yeah, that's why. But also... But, but by the end, we never have a scene or a moment said to say, like, oh, this is what Nancy was actually referring to. She's completely forgotten in late episodes. Here, here's what I was thinking. Because at one point, um, Chris Wilkinson... Are there two Chris's? It's not Chris Wilkinson. Bruce Wilkinson. No, no, it's Chris Clug, Bruce Wilkinson. Also, Chris Clug is a giveaway. Why would you name a character that unless you had to? I'm sorry, Chris. He's one of You're our biggest really donors. You're really dragging Chris Klug. <laughs> I think he could have gotten silver if he worked harder. <laughs> um, Bruce Wilkinson actually says, this is later, after um, after Avalanche has been injured, after Chris has been injured, that sponsors are pulling out, which makes the fact that um, Nancy... Right? Nancy? Yeah. That she's so confident he's, she's going to get ratings. That she's still telling people that the ratings are going to be good. I think that her job is sort of on the line. Yeah. Like, hey. And she's just telling them that the ratings are going to be good. Yeah. I mean, she's part of the mainstream liberal media. Of course she lies. Okay. Don't Duh. you mean the lamestream media? <laughs> you know it, brother. Uh, but it's not Nancy ultimately, and we again, my biggest issue with this episode, and there's a lot of little issues to be had, is that we never have an explanation of why Nancy was acting so suspicious. Also, right before we go into catching and unmasking the villain, Velma's like, oh, I'm so suspicious of Nancy, it's gotta be Nancy. But then when they unmask the villain, Velma's like, I knew it, and here's why. It's like, Velma, no, you just said you thought it was Nancy. To, to credit to Velma, she has a cold. 
in this episode. She has a cold and she's out of it. Um, so can I cover a couple of plot things? Yeah, maybe maybe let's go back to the top um, and, and say that in the cold open, um, mm. Chris Klug uh, is like, oh, it's getting dark. Uh, let's hit the slopes one last time. Gretchen's like, go ahead. Like, I'm not in the mood, which sort of... Also, like, it's very dangerous to, to ski dark. Don't do that, Chris. You should know better. Um, Chris goes anyway. He's attacked by the snow creature, which um, moves around not unlike Iceman or Frozone, but there's always, like, uh, what looks like a tiny, I guess, avalanche around the snow creature's feet. There's a lot of snow movement, and the way momentum works for him is kind of like a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater... Uh, video game like you don't have to be going downhill or kicking to be moving fast he just slides uphill really quick um but but yeah chris clug has his leg broken which honestly i think is pretty it's pretty serious i i I don't think that maybe they're running on the assumption that kids don't understand that broken bones especially long bones like leg bones are some of them like i think breaking your femur is the most excruciating pain you can go through that, like some of the worst pain, takes an incredibly long time to recover from. In Chris's part, he's never going to compete again. All of those bronze medals unwon. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! You know, maybe I should give him credit. Maybe he had already broken his leg and that's why he only got bronze. Because that's the only excuse, Chris. Uh, the, the breaking legs thing, the fact that he breaks his leg, and later, Fred breaks his leg... And it's... Like, not too soon afterwards, Fred breaks his leg and does not scream. No, he falls down like the Family Guy gag where he, st- like, hits his shin, except without the... <sighs> except without that, because it doesn't hurt that much, guys. Uh, um, and so that's the cold open. And then now we know Chris can't compete. Uh, Fred breaks his leg so he can't investigate. Um, uh, and- Avalanche Anderson shows up. Um, we, f- we find out that... Velma is trying not to get a cold. She uh, bundles up to the point that she looks like a South Park character. Oh, man, yeah, she looks round. Is it Cartman? Cartman? It's Cartman. <laughs> you are correct. Don't have a cart, man. Of the Southern Park series. Jeff Vandermeer. You know what? I cannot believe that we referenced Family Guy, South Park, and The Simpsons within, like, a two-minute span of time. This, that this... makes me feel bad. Yeah, ew. <laughs> the Family Guy reference, I didn't feel good about it. It occurred to me in the moment, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. Come on, man. Whatever. Uh, plus, I've got an American Dad Cleveland show and the Orville reference coming up. You're welcome, Seth. Um, uh, she also looks like Fat Albert, actually. She does. Uh, her being so bundled up is kind of a visual gag. It still makes me uncomfortable when at one point Scooby, like grabs her by the torso to move her around and is kind of groping her torso for a second because it's like i know there's a lot of padding there but you're still grabbing her scoob and i know you're a dog but still this is a really good time uh to maybe spotlight the fact that you felt a certain way about velma in this series oh dude come on you're gonna make me say stuff i said off air i think velma is insanely attractive in this series i'm super into her but but why but why but why i think she's super she's super cute I I, th- I think complete package, uh, personality, physicality, um, voice. It's all. I mean, I, th- I think she's very attractive in this episode. Very fetching. I will say that there's a point where. Um, so I, I mean, we went into the fact that I, I had said earlier that two of the members are kind of sidelined a little bit. Yes, Velma with her cold, and so, Fred with his broken leg. 
Velma has her cold and Fred is kind of like, oh, Velma, like, you're not feeling well. You should, you should maybe go to bed. And she's sitting in bed, like, I guess just with her normal clothes, her sweater and her skirt or whatever. And I will have to admit on the air that I agreed with you. She... I mean, like, she's, she's, like, leaning on the bed, and it's, like, dinner, it's, uh, I, why am I doing that? Why did you push me here, man? Why, why am I doing, doing this? this? Is, I hate that this, this is, like, what can we offer as a Scooby podcast that no other one does? <laughs> I, I guess libido. <laughs> We've got way more <laughs> of that than any other pod. Oh, jeez, Louise. Um, the, here's the thing I love about Fred breaking his leg. Um, it puts him in a situation where he has to take a back seat and Daphne has to be the one to go out and explore on her own. And because they see there's like a light at the top of one of the ski hills. Yeah. A little great Gatsby moment. Um, and Fred. Oh, I I made the same. Yeah. Yeah. The the connection. I couldn't think of a way to weave it in. So I'll just drop it there. But the bigger parallel, I don't think it's even a parallel. I think it's a straight up homage is a rear rear window. The Hitchcock movie or for more modern listeners, uh, Disturbia. Disturbia. Buff. Why did you say Disturbia like that? How, how did I say it? <laughs> like Microsoft Sam. Disturbia. <laughs> I think it just came out weird over the... Uh, I thought you were going to... Uh, that's possible. I thought you were going to say it like Rihanna would say it. Disturbia. The, have you ever heard Rihanna? <laughs> you know what? I'm also going to put that song in the show notes because I like it. Okay, that's cool. I, I do like that song. I like that movie. Rear, Rear Window, I think, is a great movie. Jimmy Stewart, I think, if I recall correctly. Um, but basically, Fred has to watch through night vision goggles as Daphne goes to investigate this cabin on her own. I do want to say, because I, I do think you should follow up and say what happens next, that before Daphne goes out, um, hold on, let me find it in my notes. Oh, uh, Fred says, no way, it's too dangerous for a, and then Daphne like whips around and she's like, too dangerous for what, Fred? For a girl? And what does Fred say in response to that? I don't recall. Uh, he doesn't really have a follow-up. I guess just he, like, yeah, I guess that was what I was going to say. And that's one thing that and, I think here in this series, it's supposed to lay the groundwork, but it assumes we know things about their relationship or that we have a norm established ahead of time. And I think that's a mistake. I mean, I do, but I don't want you to assume that in the first episode. Um, there's also stuff where like, it's so funny. They keep They keep going and doing this thing where it's like Fred thinks that they should have a decoy um pro snowboarder which makes sense Mm. because yeah the snow creature keeps attacking snowboarders but fred can't do it yeah chris breaks his leg and then uh avalanche breaks his leg or his his ankles hurt oh yeah his ankle sprain but he doesn't want to get a an x-ray because he's like what's the point um and then fred is like okay well shaggy has to do it and then shaggy kind of does it but like they never truly follow up on that until the very end yeah, it's they almost set it up just for the tag. I mean, they could have used almost any excuse to have Shaggy go out and act as bait. The competition wasn't even happening, so just go out and snowboard. But to go back to this rear window thing, um, yeah. it's it's really... So, like, Daphne goes into this cabin, and she sees this weird, I don't know, like a radio device? Yeah, some transmitter. Um, but then Fred sees the, the snow creature, and he's like, Daph, get out of there! And it's a little scary. That is a good, that's a well-conceived uh, setup and progression there. It's, I think the strongest part of this episode is the rear window homage and the way the tension plays out in that scene. Um, it's, it's great that we can see Fred um, be afraid for Daphne and also ultimately helpless. He can't do anything to help her from where he is. 
I think, again, I think it would be even stronger. This feels like a mid-season a mid -season entry that was rearranged to be at the beginning of the season. You know what? Maybe this came out... There's no way. There's no way this could have come out, like, right around the time of the Olympics. No, I, I can't imagine. You know what? Give me a second. Right, because this would have come out in September. I mean, it would have to be... Because that's when shows air. Yeah, it's September 14, 2002. So I guess kind of winter times-ish and getting in there. Fall more than anything. Um, the one thing I no want to note about when Daphne's squaring up with the snow creature in the cabin is that she grabs a hairdryer at one point and tries to use it on the snow creature. It doesn't work, and that's kind of supposed to be the clue that it's not really made of ice. Even though I think someone who clearly does enough hair work as Daphne does should know that hairdryers don't work instantly on ice. But it still does work on the snowy eve that she melts and it comes down on him. But I think in cartoon physics, literally... Well, the episode before last. Having just come off of the episode we just came off of, um, yeah. We're, we've been hitting oh, yeah, right. a lot of the plot points. There's so, okay, but there's so many characters. I think, personally, you said that you thought they were leaning towards Nancy. I thought they were leaning towards Theodore. Well, I think they, they were leaning so hard towards Nancy, I thought it wasn't really her. I thought they were leaning so hard towards Theodore that it couldn't have been him. Because his motive is so strong. Mm. I thought Bruce Wilkinson was such a, a terrible billionaire, it must have been him. Because he's like, oh, I've lined up all these sponsors and all this stuff, but I'll be flat broke if anything goes wrong. This is a man who got billions without ever once coming up with a contingency plan or buying insurance. Uh, but when you were talking about uh, Theodore's cabin, um, what was that exact phrase you used? Uh, it was the exact phrase that Daphne used, rustic mid-century creep. Um, it looks like the cabin in The Hateful Eight, but worse. I haven't seen that, I'm afraid. Oh, well, that's fine. It's... I, I, normally, I normally watch a lot of Tarantino. Is that worth it? That is... I made this joke before we started recording. That is a movie with a lot of gore and very little Verbinski. Okay. <laughs> Great Ask a Ninja drop right there. Which I mention by name now just to make you have to look up, look up and link to one more thing. Well, here's my question yeah. um, for you and for our listeners. There are all of these um, various people. Uh, why would why would Gretchen want to do it? I guess so that she can win. She's yeah. sort of taking out her competition. I think she has the simplest motive of anyone. Chris Klug actually broke his leg. Um, and it's not to say that celebrities can never be the monster, but in this case, it seems very unlikely. I think it's because he... Uh, I think... It, well, no, it, he was the monster last up in the... Uh, NSYNC episode. In the NSYNC episode, it was that guy. Yeah. Whose name we don't recall. Because... Because let's be honest, as NSYNC goes, he was kind of a bronze. <laughs> uh, JC Chazé. JC Chazé. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I think it's going to end with JC Shazam. Um, he says... He, he, said, he shouts JC Chazé, and he transforms from a child into a member of NSYNC. <laughs> Beautiful. Great reference. Uh, thank you. Um, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? But yeah, it can't be Chris Klug because he actually broke his leg. Maybe he wanted, he was, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense. How could he be controlling the monster? He's out of the running as villains go. Maybe Nancy, because that's how they're going to improve the ratings on this particular uh, show. But that doesn't make sense because their ratings are in danger because everyone's breaking their legs. And people are breaking their legs because the monster is scaring them into doing that. So this would be Nancy's solution to the problem she's actively creating and perpetuating. Uh, Theodore, we've already... Theo Shushman. 
Yeah, we've already gone over the fact that his motive is the strongest, right? He wants um, he wants to get back at snowboarders. Snowboarders ended his career. He, I, mm-hmm. I think we neglected to say this, but he's the groundskeeper for the hills. We mentioned it really briefly in passing, but yeah, he's got kind of a crappy job. He used to be a real pro. We find a lot of, um, I think he, we say we see more cups in his uh his cabin. Shaggy says than an all night coffee shop, which. It's pretty good. Not, not cups as in, like, he's an alcoholic, but, like, trophies. Oh, yeah. He's deep in his cups, which is to say he's pro-level. Um, and that's everyone, right? Or what about Avalanche Anderson? Avalanche Anderson. Let's talk about him being the villain. Um, he used to make movies, like snowboard action movies. And, in fact, when Velma's sick, Fred suggests that she watch some of the old movies just to get her through it. Um, Avalanche Anderson breaks his leg, but he never gets it looked at. Or like he sprains his ankle or something like that. The doctor just wraps a cast on it, apparently taking his owls at face value. He, he, um, you know that, uh, that chart where it has the different faces and you're just like, what level of pain are you? Yeah. And without changing the expression of his own face, Avalanche just pointed to the 10. Yeah, he just like shrugs and raises his eyebrows and points to the 10. Yeah, I guess that one. And it's actually really sad because the doctor ended up prescribing him a lot of opioids. Yeah, and actually we find out in the freeze frame ending of this episode that he did go on the streets and because he had inadequate access to healthcare, like he did die. As many people do in America, especially the most poor and troubled areas. Ironically, the ones that vote against their own interests by ensuring okay. that legislation you know never okay. <laughs> this is a hole that you are digging. Let's go ahead and reveal the villain if we Well, may. we've revealed the villain twice already it's avalanche anderson he didn't really break his leg he was doing it because he wanted to win he his glory days had passed and he felt like this is the only way that he could stay competitive you know what i like is velma and i know you sort of roasted her for being like we knew it all along avalanche anderson like no you suspected nancy chang from the start and till the end And shaggy was like yeah I also knew it was Avalanche Anderson. But let's compare notes. Why did you think it was Avalanche Anderson? I really like that. I like Shaggy just trying to be like, yeah, 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 we're, we're all on the same page here. I'm also I, smart. I just like seeing embellishments and takes on um, rote beats. And one rote beat is Fred always directing who goes out. I like him having the broken leg, and we have an interesting take on that. I like Velma always figures it out at the end. And although that really happens, I like the take that Shaggy also wants in on that. Yeah, he wanted to win, and then Velma had a pretty good idea that it was him, because while she was sick with a cold, um, she was watching these snowboarding movies. Mm. And so she could see his special effects work at play with this snow monster. Um, Apparently, to Avalanche Anderson's technical credit, he was using, like, an Oculus Rift setup years before its time. Can you stop making references to the Oculus Rift? I know, it's not even the most current one on the market. (laughs) The last time you did it... I put a note in the show notes. To, I, I made a link in the show notes to an article about how the Oculus Rift is failing. Yeah, it's dead. I mean, like, the alternatives are way stronger at this point. But, like, he's got a VR setup that actually looks more like something out of Star Wars, like a Star Wars helmet and gloves, um, that he uses to control this creature. Yeah, he looks from kind a of distance. like a rebel pilot. Exactly that. That's all I could think of. Um, I, you were talking about sort of like inversions, sort of like little fun plays on old tropes. He says, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for you interloping adolescence. I like that. And I also like that they correct him. They're like, hey, meddling kids, man. Stay on brand. Um, 
I'm just gonna finish. Let's finish the episode, the recap, mm. and then let's let's spring Final back. Um, yeah. So it turns out that Shaggy is actually pretty good on the slopes. Like he can. Is he? <laughs> I mean, they push him down. Gretchen pushes him down the hill at one point, and then um, Scooby at the end scares him down the hill, and he wins. He wins the competition, and I don't know how. Well, I mean, Scooby scares Shaggy down the hill, I guess, at the perfect moment because the race had just started, although we never see any other contestants. You don't see any other contestants. Maybe it was timed, and he got the fastest time down, but there's no indication of that either. Yeah, and also, like, Scooby blinds Shaggy the whole time. is like, covering his eyes, and then they roll into a giant snowball, which rolls to the bottom of the hill, which apparently is faster than normal skiing. The, the biggest weird out for me was when it comes to getting the award and the prize money, which was supposed to be a million buckaroos. Because then they're like, oh, um, Shaggy, you won. And Shaggy's like, ha, ha, ha. like that could buy a lot of cheesy fries. A million dollars. Uh, curly fries, wants- sorry. Yeah. A million dollars, I bet everyone wants to see what it's like when Shaggy, when Scooby and I are rich. Wouldn't that be a great thing to see? Thank goodness we don't see that in this series. But no, they're like, no, Bruce Wilkinson's like, sorry, because all the sponsors pulled out. There is no prize money for this, which is, I think he needs to go to jail. I think that's not legal, right? You can't promise someone prize money and make them hop through all these hoops and then not have it to give to them. Velma does bring up the fact that before she's put on bed rest, that Bruce Wilkinson has been um, selling off, shoot, I'm spiking, has been selling off like portions of his empire to pay off creditors, which I will just say is not the kind of thing kids want to hear about. Yeah, it's, even if it's necessary for plot, kids not, don't only not want to hear about it, they don't care. They, they're just like, kids, I mean, if you told a kid, if you talk to a kid about creditors, they'd be like, what? Yeah. Say it, put it in simple terms, like, he owes a lot of money and he's been selling a lot of his stuff. He's going under trying to keep this going. Like, just give us a, a less adult framing of it. Heck, that's dry for, like, an adult movie. That's like that's like trade trade embargo episode one type stuff. Yeah. Like, this... Yeah, goodness. Um, but, but Bruce Wilkinson is also... I mean, I think it's pretty clear that it's not him because he's doing so badly with money. Well, yeah, like, why would he tank his own last saving chance? Um, I, one part earlier I really liked when everybody, when Shaggy, Daff, when Shaggy, Velma, and Scooby are in the kitchen and Bruce walks through with Avalanche and Chris, Bruce is trying to convince them to continue racing even though they bro- both have broken legs. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, please, I need this. I need this so bad. And Chris, I mean, this can just be like the Paralympic X Games. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, th- like, that's a thing. But, hey, anything. The thing is, Bruce doesn't care so long as he gets viewers. Chris, I love, this is Chris's best line in the episode is, sorry, rich dude, no can do. I love how dismissive that is. I will say, I really want to know if they wrote these lines specifically for Chris Klug, or, like, 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 if these are, like, um, like, representative of, like, his actual personality, or if they were just, like, oh, like, snowboarders, like, we know how snowboarders talk, Mm. we know that if a snowboarder, um, was, was snowboarding and Gretchen was, like, back on the hill she didn't want to go down this snowboard would call her a poser i feel like that and the sorry rich dude lines are the only ones they wrote in a character for chris otherwise they probably let him do his first run they're like okay again but less character again but drier ah man so i think that's it that's That's the episode 
it so let's do let's do final impressions and then highlights lowlights okay yeah final impressions and then i have a few last notes i guess final impressions of the episode i don't think this was a strong first entry this doesn't this doesn't sell me on the pitch of what's new scooby-doo yeah it's it's weird it's weird not to have the gang and i've said this almost verbatim before not working in concert with one another you i think if you have a cast you want that cast to work as an ensemble you want them working together yeah that doesn't happen and then also it feels overwhelming there's so many characters to keep track of i think Mm. and 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 that might have been a hallmark of this series like oh these mysteries are going to be more complex but but I think I mean we've liked that in the past. We have that, that can be a good thing. But I think right off the bat, it's it's too much all at once. It's too much complexity. You have the complexity of overturning the norms as far as how they solve the mystery, and then the complexity of the mystery itself. I think what you do is you have a standard, an episode that's standard in terms of like everyone's doing things the same way, and then the complication finds itself in the mystery. I agree. And even further with the first episode, I think they subvert and complicate a norm before they've established a norm. And hey, we've done 50 episodes of this show. We, you and I are familiar with the norm, so they can do that for us. But say I'm fresh to what's new. I don't, I know Scooby-Doo, but I don't know this series. Tell me what this series, excuse me. The first episode should lay out a rubric for the series. And I don't think that's very clear in this first one. We, I think as we watch more of this show, we will find another episode that would have worked better as a pilot. And I'm, you know what, I, I never, this never occurred to me until we started doing this, but I'm interested to see what other celebrity cameos are going to show up. It, this is a much more manageable Scooby-Doo movies. Me too. Yeah. I, I think this Which is... Which we have not yet returned to. Mm, true. I'm, this with with a... this new way that we've been doing episodes, I think we could handle it better. It's also tough with like a whole team of Globetrotters. And to do five celebrities in an hour and a half long episode. But hey, we'll do it again before too long. And we will return to this before too long. Highlights, lowlights, my friend. Do you want me to go? Go for it. So um, at one point, there is a musical chase scene. And I do think that this show does a decent job with those. Um, and there are two very quick, very, very quick back-to-back Scooby-Doops. Uh, what's a Scooby-Doop? The Scooby-Doop, of course, man. It could only be... A situation in which Shaggy and Scooby, typically, are being chased by the monster, and in order to get the monster off their tails or give them an extra moment to escape, they must create an impromptu, improvised scenario. A social situation which they generate, which creates such a pressure on the monster to conform and play another role within this improvised scenario, that the monster is put on the back heel, is uh, uh, out of sorts for a moment, giving Scooby and Shaggy the opportunity to at least get one up on the monster, and certainly to escape. That was beautiful. I made the Chef Boyardee, like, kissing kissing the fingertips thing. You you kissed your fingertips as if you were in love with them. Um, in this case, the monster is swinging towards them on the ski lift cable, sort of like Donkey Kong might. And, and they wave to the monster, and the monster is like, oh, they're waving at me, mm. and he falls. And that was, I was just like, oh, very simple. Technically, a Scooby-Doop, by definition. Perhaps the smallest, briefest Scooby Doop we've ever seen. Hey, I didn't hate it. I think and that I was is like, oh, that's okay. Sure, that, that's I mean, the, the core essence of a Scooby Doop. They create a situation in which, hey, we're just saying hi. We're just friendly folks, and we. It tells us something about there being a human behind the monster. 
Well, and a e- human. Even beyond that, it's funny to see the monster acting like a human. A human who is doing VR like very far away. That's almost the most believable reaction to a Scooby Doop is like it's in a video game and you're just automatically like, oh, hey, oh shoot, no, I forgot. It's I had like to press an Overwatch where people wave at you. You have to wave back at them. That's how it works. You have to wave back and then they snipe you in the head. It's followed up immediately by the second Scooby Doop, which is more traditional. But also extremely mm. brief. Not as brief as the last one, but still so short. I actually missed this second one. What so was that? So the monster plummets very much like Wiley e. Coyote down to the bottom of his <laughs> gorge. And then Scooby and Shaggy somehow make it to the bottom of said gorge. Um, and they show up and they're like a ski hill paramedics. Oh, yeah. So they have like, um, you know, that, that thing that you strap the bodies to so mm. that they don't shake around and hurt themselves. Almost like a girl, And they yeah. strap the monster to it. And the monster is still like, ah, uh, you guys like, it's it's almost like an ah you shouldn't have, but also you're like I'm so grateful, Thank I'm so you. happy that I'm being taken care of. Yeah. And then they push the monster down another hill. I like that. The only the only thing I think is missing from the Scooby Doops here, I'm I'm amazed they didn't do it amidst the other snow gags that I'll I'll mention in a second, is Scooby as a rescue dog with a barrel under the neck. Oh, shoot, like a St. Bernard. St. Bernard, yeah, exactly that. I'm amazed they didn't do that, because it seems like such a go-to. You know what? Because it happened so quickly, I almost, I almost wish that they had kept it up, where then it's like the monster in the hospital, and Scooby and Shaggy are like the doctors, and the monster's like gratefully looking up at them, like, ah, like you're taking care of me. <laughs> I mean, and when... then, I don't know, they put like poison in his, mor- in his like, ivy drip. <laughs> I, I like to imagine there's also an aside where Scooby and Shaggy are discussing it like a nurse and a doctor who are treating a dictator, like struggling with the Hippocratic Oath for a, but a moment. But we both love the JCB uh, be cool approach to gags where keep going a little further. You'll almost never overreach. Yeah, it's, it, I think you, you build up on it. Right? You have a foundation and you just keep adding levels to that building. If I can make a couple of my highlights... Um, to talk a little bit about the episode music, we haven't talked about the theme song too much, except let's say that it's done by Simple Plan, as is much of the music in this episode and this series. Oh, that I did not realize. They, they do a lot of different things. And the, the whole, the soundtrack sounds very, uh, very much like that style of music. Um, really briefly, for myself, one thing. So Scooby Doo. Coming after you, we're gonna solve that mystery. Oh, I just needed to listen to it again to remind myself. Right when the episode comes off of the theme song, we hear bum ba dum ba dum bum. Really? Uh, and we do, which I've said for a while. I really want new versions of Scooby Doo to harken back to the music of the original series, because we can talk about the animation being shoddy on the original series. It is what it is, but the music I think holds the heck up. You do a really good job of keeping up with. Uh... Like like the like the audio cues, the music, the foley work, and I I think that's nice. You you definitely added dimension oh, to this you, that I don't. Well, you pay attention to the rest of the stuff that I don't care about, which is the rest of the stuff. <laughs> uh, one thing one thing I think also about the music in this episode is that at times it was pretty intrusive. I had times I had difficulty making out the dialogue at moments because the punk esque music was so strong, at least in the early parts of the episode. Hmm. But uh, still, it's overall a big plus for me. I noticed, of course, we're in a snow episode, so we had a lot of snow gags. I really liked Scooby's snow beard. I think that is a requisite. Which was, uh, this was a 
female dog that he sculpted out of snow. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> that he introduced his parents to, saying that that was his, his partner. This is we've all we, our... we've all tried the snowbeard gag. <laughs> it never works. We've all done the snowbeard, okay? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. I really loved uh, when Shaggy baits the snow creature by saying he has the snow creatures. I've got your corn cob pipe and your carrot nose right over here. <laughs> I thought that was so I funny. Loved that, and I also love that Shaggy's like, man, I'm on a roll. Like Shaggy is really impressed with the specifics he's pulling on corn cob pipe and carrot nose. And I almost, I just wanted to rule of threes that out, you know, like, and your coal buttons or something. I, I wanted him to, like, make a reference to, um, uh, I don't know, like, being married by Parson Brown. What? <laughs> what on earth? Oh, um, in what the is meadow this? we will build a snowman and pretend that he is oh. Parson Brown. I mean, that's probably too deep a cut. Wow. But I... That's a, that's a good deep cut. I dig it. I like that, um, uh, Carol, because, um... Mm. He'll say, are you married? We'll say, we'll say no, no man. man. And no man seems um, a little... What's the word? Uh... So, Evan, here we are at the outro. I have, as it just so happens, an answer for you. Um, but, of course, you know, courtesy, let's let those rules dictate. I'll let you ask your question first. So, I have a question, and whatever question I ask, you will then supply this, this answer that you've already come up with. I've already come up with this answer. I've got it written and actually sealed in this envelope I have here in my hand. There's only one thing that you love more in your life than Ibti Sam, and that is... Alright, okay. you'll let me open this. What is the Academy Awards? Open this envelope. If you'll give me a moment, I almost have it. Moonlight. <laughs> yes, actually. Oh, oh, shoot. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so so sorry. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. It's actually Miss Columbia. That was the. That was my mistake. Uh, I yeah. That's that's the that's it. Oh uh, yeah. That's the that's the right answer. Nailing the outro like we nailed the intro. It's all we know how to do here at the Scooby Dudes, but you know that. You're our loyal listeners. You're sticking here past the episode to hear what more you can do for us. Honestly, you're probably such um, stalwart fans. Mm. You already follow us on Twitter at the Scooby Dudes. Yeah, I, I mean, they're, these, we don't need to tell these guys what to do. They've already liked our page on Facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes. They are already daily visitors, which is weird because we only update about once a week. Daily yeah. visitors to our website, ScoobyDudes.com. They're F5-ing that constantly. And again, once a week, people, you, you know when it's happening. Uh, but still, we appreciate that. You know what? They're, they're sending us emails regularly, these people we're talking to right now, at ScoobyDudesPodcast at gmail.com. And to be a little serious, like to break the bit a little bit, we've been getting a lot of emails lately. We have, and I really like it. And I think <clears throat> our emails, our responses, I'll, I'll pat us on the back here, are really, really good. I've been tempted at times to, to post those elsewhere. I'm so proud of some of our responses. If you are someone who has emailed us and you would like these emails to be made public, it's like when people write into Marvel Comics or something, they have to sort of like write uh, free to post or something like that oh like you can post this publicly mm -hmm, yeah so that like at the end of an issue you can see like all the things people have written in yeah in fact i'm gonna say even if you're not comfortable <clears throat> with it please post this stuff publicly because hey evan and i put a lot of effort into it and we do it just for you personally what, what do we want to hit next do we want to hit our donors 
I want to hit our donors, man. Those smug little sons of guns. I just want to deck them. I just want to hit them with some love, some appreciation, some uh, some just raw, unconditional love you, bro. Because our donors, they keep the lights on. And I'm scared of the dark. Which in this <laughs> metaphor is poverty. So, so thank you. End of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have uh, an, an unparalleled appreciation for our donors. I'd say they're, they're our all-stars, really. Yeah, these donors, um, what they're doing is they are giving us a, an amount of money every single month through mm-hmm. a service called Patreon.com. And one of the ways that we thank them is that we like to say their names and we like to acknowledge uh, their generosity and how grateful we are to them. And yeah, I mean, we, we say their names every single week, but we also give them a specific big old shout out the first time they donate, when they first come on board the Scooby Dudes train. And we've got a few people coming on board this week, don't we, Evan? Choo choo. Choo choo. Yes. Uh, <laughs> choo choo indeed. Don't we, Evan? Choo choo. Um, it's, it's really unprecedented. We actually have three names to shout out. Wow. Are you sure there's not a fourth name that jumped on at the last second there? Okay, Maybe I a very w- modest donation? Would be overjoyed. <laughs> There's not. There's just three names. Don't worry. But you never know. I can see you. Here's the thing. I can see you looking at your computer screen. I can see your hand moving a little bit as if you're typing. I came so close. If I didn't want to give the episode another watch this morning, I was going to. And if I wasn't like, oh, I've already done it twice. I don't need to donate actually, to us I three times. I want you to get rid of those other... <laughs> I just can't. feel like it's disingenuous to say that like, oh, we have like 18 donors when like two of them are you. We have 21 donors and two of them are me. Okay, so I underestimated a little bit. Yeah, 21. Blackjack. Uh, But we have three new donors, none of whom are me. None of whom I think we even know personally. Should I name them not in any particular order? Definitely not in order of importance. Not in order of importance descending, i.e. most important first. Importance being construed from uh, level of donation. So let's just say, in a completely random order, here are the names... Of these incredible uh, people who have decided to, yeah, like you said, hop on board this train. If, if I can say, I feel kind of bad for people who donate perfectly good money on a week where somebody else donates a ton of money. Because <laughs> in the past, we have given a descending shout out just be, based on how how they match up. We've low-key we roasted that. people in the past. And when I say we, I definitely mean you. What? Me? Me? Oh. You're, you're, what is it, that Mad Magazine uh, mascot? That, that, that boy with the messed up teeth and freckles? That's you. That's, you're That's the, me? You're the, did I do that, ain't I a stinker kind of. I did do some modeling work for that. But who's, who are these people listed in random order? In a completely random order, I would like to welcome and thank these new patrons. Andrew, Molly, and Robert. And that's not all we have. We've got, I mean, some more information about these guys, don't we? I mean, we've got at least last name not... and addresses. <laughs> do you have that? We do have their addresses. We also have um, social security numbers. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, gate codes. But we appreciate these people. They donated money to us. They help keep our lights on. And they don't do it just for nothing. I mean, even if they did just out of the goodness of their hearts, they get something out of it. They get digital content. And some of them get physical contact oh i mean hold on i maybe phrased that a little weirdly no they no, don't no dude you got they get hard goods they get um t- 
tangibles. I don't think they, there's they a way to make tangibles can... sexy. You tried really hard they, to lean into that. They get tangibles. Something in there must have done it for somebody. I'm gonna trust and hope. Um, but they do get. Uh, they get. I mean, I just to today and yesterday drew up a whole bunch of little promo bits for for people that we're gonna be sending out. So we give we give a lot of little things to our donors because we appreciate them so darn much. And uh, these new donors uh, join a multitude who have already been contributing to us for some time, and now is the time to give them the spotlight. Yes, so thank you to this this long list of donors. Again, 21 beloved heroes who will shout out each individually right now. Beyond that, what more can be said, my friend? Well, uh, you know iTunes. I I know of it. Not personally. Biblically? No. (laughs) I was trying to come up... Although I do have have a couple Newsboys albums on iTunes. Do you actually? No, I don't. Okay. Got the CDs, bro. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I know you got that. What are CDs made of? I, I don't know. What? Plastic? Plastic, I think. I just think it's, like, because you, you can call records, like, oh, I got that on vinyl. But they got, don't they have, like, oh, goodness, time to sound really ignorant. Don't they have, like, metal and maybe magnets in them? I don't think CDs have magnets in them, no. Uh, okay. Again, I was reaching there. But uh, now I got all those on uh, on CD somewhere stored with all my Stephen Curtis Chapmans. Oh my goodness! Okay, <laughs> yeah. so we're gonna stop doing this CCM deep dive, uh, and I... we're gonna talk about iTunes reviews because mm. if you leave us a five star review on iTunes, mm. this guy right here, I'm pointing at you, Luke, is gonna Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing at me too, but I was doing it defiantly as a joke. What do I have to do? Uh, nah, I'm gonna read it. I'll read the review on the air, and. Uh, do we have an example one that we can read out this week? Uh, somebody new. I that's... have a brand new review to read. Yuck! Yes, Muckerlucker. <laughs> Thanks, Goofy. Um... <laughs> <clears throat> so if you're ready, I can I can really get into this. I'll never be ready. It's a shock every time how nice these people are to on iTunes. But I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Read it out, bro. So this review was left to us by Bobbert Rundy. On June 14th, 2018. Bobber Trundy. What do you think? Bobbert Rundy? Bobber Trundy. I think it's Bobbert Rundy. Hmm. Otherwise, it would be Bober Trundy. Or Bo Bertrand Die. Bo Bertrand Die. Bo Bertrand, one of my favorite uh, y- y- comedy YouTube songwriters. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love I love uh, yeah I love how musically integral all of his his bits are. He's he's actually a good this, musician. This iTunes reviewer is not a fan of Bo Bertrand. He thinks Bo Bertrand <laughs> should die. He actually well, actually it looks like most of his review is actually just going after Bo Bertrand. I think he's actually the the misspelling of the name is part of the dig. Bobbert Rundy, the mm. five stars obviously because I'm reading it. Oh boy, the iTunes review is titled and i quote you have to say this <laughs> i i love it i love it when a, a positive review of ours states at the beginning that it was mandatory uh and and i'll say luke please if you if you want to censor this be very heavy-handed okay let's see let's hear it <clears throat> i evan proudly proclaim that shaggy and scooby-doo get a clue is the best iteration of scooby-doo and is my personal favorite. What? I recommend it to all of friends and family. 
The only thing that Get a Clue is missing would be Scrappy-Doo. Evan, no. Everything else is utter crap. No, man, don't. Just skip all other iterations. Don't even waste your time. Just to make sure everyone heard me, Don't repeat the it. only thing I recommend viewing of the Scooby-Doo universe is Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. For the iTunes users who are confused by this review, <laughs> just listen to this amazing podcast and it'll all make sense. Thank you, Scooby-Doods, for making the best Scooby-Doo podcast out Ooh, there in mm. an increasingly growing field of competition. And I can attest to that because I have listened to at least two episodes of every single Scooby-Doo podcast on iTunes. Wow. And donate to them on Patreon. Wait, he donates to all of them? Is that what we're reading into that? No, 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 no. He's listened to two... Sorry, the review's done. He's listened to basically all of our competitors. But he's only donating to us? He's saying, and donate to them on Patreon. He's telling other iTunes listeners... Donate to us on Patreon. Oh, two donate. It's an instruction. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood that. Wow, that started out um, harrowing and honestly troubling. And I, I had, like, my 9-1 my dialed on my phone, and my thumb was hovering over the last one, calling help for this guy. But at the end there, he really leveled out. He's really got sensible. This is... We've had so many nice, generous, uh, kind reviews forcing me to spout lies notwithstanding this was this is pretty high among them i think yeah i mean a p- part of that reading was like a hostage video <laughs> i felt like i was watching it live on tv and i was powerless to do anything to stop it but another part of that um was was uh was good and i dug it and i i really thank Bobert trundy or or bo bertrand die <laughs> i agree you know what that was such a nice review you should die, Bo Bertrand. 